0: I wonder what's happening with old school essentials and I kind of wonder what's happening with Gavin really what's he been up to recently shall we find out
1: if you say the real
2: life fills up your days and you don't have time to play well midlife is the best time to start a new
0: My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, Rescuers. Welcome back to the show, and I hope this is finding you well. Right, okay, I know I said last weekend that uh, this weekend I would go back and deal with all those call-ins that I'd been getting over the Christmas and New Year period, and that I would kind of put a little bit of a gap between the interviews... Yeah, the thing is that I got chatting to Gavin, and, um, well, he has decided to make a couple of announcements, and those are really, really cool, on the proviso that I get this out just a, a little bit earlier. So today's episode is really my interview with Gavin Norman um, from Necrotic Gnome, talking about old-school essentials, and I'm going to save those uh, call-ins for a little bit later. That That is... Apart from one, I do want to share a new call as first call in because those are always awesome. So, let's dive in. I guess this is season five, episode twelve, talking
1: OSE with Gavin Norman. Ah, oh, good day, Jay. This is Brian calling in from in the United States, and uh, I just wanted to give you a big thank you to you. I am. Uh, I am also an old. Gamer who is slowly getting back into it, and over the last few years, been trying to get into uh, a little bit of fifth edition, mainly with my son because he's very interested, and found your podcast or a few others, and uh, I, I have to say, I I am very appreciative of the topics you discuss and you are slowly dragging me back uh, to the table thankfully because it's been missing for a long time so uh, uh yeah i just wanted to give you a thank you uh, calling in now from uh, arizona u.s used to be out in hawaii uh, and we're doing a bit of uh traveling around uh right now before going back to australia so uh hopefully uh can uh, keep doing some gaming on the go so uh keep at it thanks man Hello, Brian. Brilliant to
0: hear from you. Thanks for your call in. And yeah, I'm so pleased to hear that you're kind of thinking about getting back to the table, really. And, you know, that interaction with uh, your son and such, it just sounds brilliant. I'm really, really pleased. Um, I was also kind of relieved that when I first heard your voice, I could have sworn you were from Australia. And at the end there, you clarified that, the going back to Australia. Um, But you lived in what, Hawaii and Arizona? Blimey, you get around. Um, Loving it i absolutely love first time caller so please please keep listening and please do feel free to call in anytime um because you know you can say nice things about my show anytime you're like brian brilliant to hear from you man game on rescue Gavin Norman is the author of the critically acclaimed Old School Essentials RPG and the creator of the Dolmenwood fantasy role-playing setting, published under the Necrotic Gnome imprint. He lives in Berlin, where he works as a programmer in between travelling to role-playing shows and conventions. Gavin, welcome back to the show. Thanks for talking to us.
2: Hello, Che. Great to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: I have to ask, how's the old home
2: campaign going? Ha ha ha. It's on hold. <laughs> basically, basically uh, since my daughter was born this year, um, I've not I've not had any time for such frivolities as running games. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought that might be the case. <laughs> yeah. The great realities of uh, being a father, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, is everything well?
2: Yeah, 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 really good. Um, yeah, keeping extremely busy um, with projects and with my daughter, but yeah, everything's great. Um, everyone's healthy and happy. Um, yeah. It's
0: fabulous to here, really. It's it's really good. Yeah. So last time we spoke um, was back in, if you believe it, December 2018.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. I was trying to remember when the last
0: time was, right? <laughs> yeah, way back. Um, so it aired at the end of, of December 2018. Yeah. Um, and we were then talking about, you know, um, really – was it BX Essentials back then and mm-hmm. at the time I think old school Essentials was more of an idea I don't think you'd even really got the name at yeah that
2: point. Th- as far as I remember that was the period where I was searching for a new name and going yeah. through all sorts of crazy ideas which had a pretty mixed reaction mostly from people in the community <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah oh, absolutely um so you know we're looking back we're well over a year past that now so mm-hmm. how do you feel the redesign and the kickstarter and all of that how do you feel it went?
2: Uh, absolutely amazing. I mean,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. you know, I, I set the, I set the original funding goal, I think it was 15,000 euros, Mm -hmm. which was a kind of realistic, like minimum size print run to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of, you know, anyone who remembers the initial stretch goals I set were up to like 50,000, something like that. And that was like, kind of in my mind was like crazy kind of, uh, probably won't reach that level. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, it ended up at 160,000 and loads more stretch goals added. Like, so it it did way way better than I'd even dreamed possible.
0: Wasn't it like 50 grand? Wasn't it like 50 grand within a couple of days or something?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, No, actually, yeah, it hit it hit all the original stretch goals in 12 hours. Actually. Wow. So (laughs) like the (laughs) the morning after I launched it, you know, I logged in and was like oh my god all the stretch <laughs> cards are unlocked already uh, and then was like scrambling to think of more cool stretch goals to add um
0: must have been very gratifying
2: yeah totally i mean the the end result of the product of course is like much better now than it would have been you know like we mm. got those 40 pages full color artwork um yeah i actually i i didn't actually discuss this on the kickstarter but i um increase the quality of the paper as well because of the success yeah. of the campaign. Um, I was going to
0: ask it. I was going to ask about it. I'm sitting here with my copies in front of me. I've got oh, cool. my box in front of me <laughs> yeah, nice. Cause you know, you never know. We might want to reference it. And yeah.
2: uh, it's just, just
0: luscious. Um, you know, I am aware that people out there, I think people out there don't realize the quality of this. I have to say. Yes.
2: It's, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because like, mm. even if you see photos, it's, it's really difficult to convey. Mm. I mean, you know, a lot of it's just the physicality, isn't it? Like the quality of the binding and the paper and so on.
0: Back at back in uh, twenty eighteen, we were talking about the usefulness of the little booklets, you know, and. um, Mm And and I just I just find these. I mean, the binding, the quality of the book. You know, I have to say, credit to you, it's, it's amazing to have at the table. You know, you can lay these flat in front of you, um, you can pass them around. They're just they're just lovely.
2: Have you have you had a chance to use them? Actually, I've unfortunately not had a chance to use my copies at all yet. <laughs> I mean, apart <laughs> from you know, as reference, looking things up, but in play. No.
0: Yeah, a little, yeah. a little. I mean, you know me, I'm I flutter around games yeah, like yeah. crazy, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and try and persuade um, uh, Shandy Andy uh, from Unguarded Treasure Podcast to mm. actually run a game for me. Right, he's, cool. he's just up the road from me and he comes yeah. to my game group and he wants to do Wilderlands, you know, and um, uh. he's like, come on, mate, get it out, let's do it. <laughs> but, yeah, we I've used it a little bit with the school kids. Yeah. We um, just had a look through them and they were mm. just blown away, you know, because, remember, they... I don't know if you do remember, yeah. they play test the advanced yeah, genre yeah, and stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, just a little bit. And, of course, to see the final book for them was was lovely. You know?
2: Yeah. 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 That's really cool.
0: So um, it was a good Kickstarter. <laughs> what <laughs> yes. did you learn from it?
2: What did you learn then? Um, I guess I learned a lot of a lot of different kind of smaller, smaller lessons. Um mm-hmm. Some some big things I learned, though, I mean, one major thing we've already touched on was the stretch goals, like don't kind of lay out all your stretch goals right from the beginning because, uh-huh. you, you know, you can't really judge in advance how quickly the funding is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can be in a position like I was where after 12 hours everything's unlocked yeah. and then you're scrabbling around trying to think of more stuff. Or you can be in the opposite position. You know that you set the um goals too high and then none of your stretch goals get reached. Um. Yeah. Which also is kind of frustrating, I guess, for backers and for user creator. Um Are
0: you suggesting maybe if you in the future you would you know stage them out and just see how the reaction is, and then of course you can stretch or retract the distance between goals. Is exactly, that what you're suggesting? Yeah,
2: exactly. That's that's why should have done probably, um, and mm-hmm. probably would do in the future. If I, you know, if I would run a campaign with a lot of stretch goals like that, again, yeah. I'd probably, um, you know, I mean, if, if you've only got like two or three stretch goals, I don't think it matters either way. You can just set them yeah. at a realistic point And if you hit them, you hit them. Uh, yeah. but we're, for a campaign with a lot of stretch goals like that, um, it's not so much about like, stuff you absolutely want to produce but i think it's, mm. it's a lot about like keeping the interest of backers and you know inspiring new backers to join like oh wow look at all these stretch goals that we're probably going to hit um yeah so it's, it, i think it's about a kind of hype thing as well you know um yeah and like i walking everything in 12 hours is a, is a good hype in a certain way but then if you've really got nothing left after that no further stretch goals then I imagine the campaign could kind of flag a bit, because there's not that kind mm. of tempting thing just over the horizon, you know?
0: Yeah, it's there was a lot of a massive amount of excitement, and it's certainly in the the circles that I'm moving in, anyway. And um, yeah, I think. I think we're all a bit blown away ourselves, you know, as a community. (laughs) I I, I didn't realize there were that many people, you know, who would be up for it. Yeah, exactly. um, Yeah.
2: I mean, I was, um, I remember before the campaign launched, I was looking at the kind of sales figures for BX Essentials. Mm -hmm. um, And I I seem to remember I sold around a thousand copies of that, like PDF slash print, like mix of both. Um, Yeah. So I was kind of thinking like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, some people will not back the new version because they're happy with BX Essentials. So, you yeah. know, yeah, maybe I'm looking around 500 copies, something like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was I was considering the other day how many copies of the game are actually out there now. Um, hmm. I, d- I haven't looked at the exact numbers, so it must be like 5,000 easily. Wow. Um which is crazy, like <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> like ten times more than I was kind of estimating. Um, yeah, I think you've I
0: think you've managed to create an artifact, though. I mean, it's not just a game, and it's not just you know uh, another product, really. It is one of those I think it's just become quite iconic, you know, as a thing. Well. Wow, I thanks. was looking at the fact that you've put that tome, the spare tomes on sale. Yeah. Um, and If only I had the spare pennies after Christmas. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, you know, kind of it timing. is, a, yeah, just a glorious, glorious artifact. And I think that's what I'm hearing from people as they get mm. them and as they play with them, in, you know. Um, I'm almost, it's part of me that's almost tempted to not want to play, but, you know, we must. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel all the advanced class stuff has been received?
2: Um very well actually. Um mm-hmm. just trying to think if I've read any kind of like criticism of it. Um mm. I think the only the only kind of sort of slightly confusing point for people that I've read I think is the um inclusion of the underdark classes. Um yeah. which is interesting actually that was something I wasn't totally convinced on um yeah. when I was writing the book. Like, I, w- I wanted to include, um, obviously, everything from AD&D, all of the AD&D classes from the Player's yeah. Handbook, um, but also a lot of stuff from Unearthed Arcana. Because, you know, when I was writing the book, I was thinking, like, okay, yeah, millions of people have done their own interpretations of the AD&D classes already, you know, the Advanced Labyrinth Lord yeah. for example. Um, you know, what could I... What could I do differently? What could I bring some extra stuff, you know, just to just to give something new and not wow. have the product branded as "Oh God, it's yet another," you know, clone of AD&D, <laughs> whatever. Um, so obviously the the Underdark classes, which are mentioned in Unearthed Arcana, came up as an idea. Um, yeah. So that that was kind of why I included them just just to do something different. But then I've, yeah. I've read of people saying like they're not really clear why those were included and they sort of stand out a bit. Um, mm. But I mean, I think I think big class books like that there's what like fifteen, sixteen classes. Um, mm. I think by definition they're kind of a grab bag, aren't they? You know, like yeah. you won't necessarily use every single class in every campaign. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's cool. It's cool to have those options there.
0: Yeah, what what I love about it, and I, you know, again, not to blow too much smoke in your direction, but um, you know, I love the fact that you've done all the character classes for um, essentially, you know, old school essentials, mm. you know, BX style, yeah, and then you've done them again, um, so you can separate class and race, right? Um, yeah, and the separate races. And I like yeah. that. I like that option. I doubt I would personally use the optionals, mm. um, the separation. Yeah. Maybe. I think I'd just be kind of too lazy. But I, I, I do think it's quite a nice option. It's something, again, that makes the product stand out from, you know, some others.
2: Um, yeah. It's that, that was another thing, actually, that I kind of, um, you know, like you say, person, personally, I, I use the race classes. Um, mm. But. I'm aware that a lot of people, you know, that's one of their main criticisms of BX generally, yeah. is you know, but with with BX Essentials, say, I was um, very very much absorbing any sort of criticism that I heard of it online, um, yeah. and the two, the two things that kept coming up were people saying, "Sounds cool, but I hate descending armor class," so that's yeah. why I added the option <laughs> for ascending armor class. And mm-hmm. the other thing was, sounds cool, but I hate race classes. So mm. that's why I added this as an option in the advanced book, because um, I know you know people, a lot of people who are used to AD&D or newer editions, yeah. that's what they expect. Um, and you know, if if groups like that are willing to take on the slight bit of extra complexity, then totally, that's up to them. And I wanted mm. to present that option for them.
0: Um, now I'm just sitting here and thinking: Does the genre rules for advanced completely replace the genre rules for classic? No, uh, no,
2: okay. No, there. Um, th- this was another thing actually that I was unsure how to approach. Um, uh-huh. It, you know, it could have included all of the classic classes, yeah, and it could have included all the classic equipment lists. Um, but this is where it gets tricky, you know. Then. Yeah. Okay, if you're including equipment, you should include vehicles, you should include yeah. ships, you should include mm. mercenaries, specialists. You know, it, in a se- in essentially, you'd end up reproducing the entire classic fantasy book. Um, yeah, well, it'd be 28 pages of it just looking at it.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it would, be, here, you
2: know. it would be a it's, quite big it's... book in the end if you if yeah. you kind of added the classic stuff plus the advanced stuff all in one. Yeah. Um,
0: and it would be a repeat, and people would moan that you'd repeated it. Yeah, it? exactly. I think that's the thing. It would
2: it wouldn't make it as attractive as a product in a way because mm. yeah, yeah, like you say, it would be a lot of duplicated content. So that, that's why I made the decision to make it a kind of expansion of the classic fantasy. Um, mm. I I can see both arguments. So you know, if someone was picking up the game as the individual books, you know, if they'd not bought the box yeah. set, then you'd want the core rules the genre rules, including all the advanced classes, et cetera, you know? So yeah, yeah. then it would make sense, but I think, I think- most people aren't doing that, so.
0: Yeah, I think it's fine I mean you've got classic fantasy and advanced fantasy and I think you know most people probably get their head around that if you go in advanced you've got to add surely
2: yeah I mean I think I think it says on the book as well on the back cover or in the intro you know that it's like yeah. it requires the classic yes, fantasy does. as well so
1: yeah. yeah yeah
0: sorry there's a couple of things I really appreciated mm. in it um, the little ad it's interesting what you chose as added rules you know you've got poison to go with the assassin right and then little bits and pieces you know like stuff on um, limiting the terms the dead the charge the attack with your weapon the charge yeah. into Malay, all those things. That, a couple of notes on magic, you know, especially for raising the dead, mm. multi-classing, secondary skills, um, an interesting choice, and weapon um, proficiency as well. Yeah. Um, you know was that a difficult decision sort of set for you or were there just the things that you wanted?
2: <laughs> um, it so, some of it was difficult. Um, I mean so I started off by saying not what what advanced rules can I clone or add, but what rules are commonly missing from BX? You know, what do people complain about mm. being missing? Cause yeah. you know, as, as the core old school essentials books, the classic fantasy and the core rules are deliberately, extremely like pedantically accurate to BX. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought that, you know, this book was my first chance to actually just add new stuff, um, yeah. without, um kind of sticking pedantically to what had gone before. So yeah. so that that was the first thing I did. I looked like what are common kind of rules that people complain about being missing. Um so yeah. the clarification on Turning Undead was one of those. You know, it's notoriously yeah. unclear if there is any restriction <laughs> on how often you can use it. The uh it's a there, there's firing into melee, isn't there? Mm-hmm. That I believe was, so. that was one I added because of that, that it's like People always talk about how do you handle that in BX? Um, hmm. The like bouncing, um, you know, how do, how do you handle like bouncing oil flasks or stuff like that? It's like pretty common scenario, and there's not a rule for it in BX, so every group has to make its own ruling. Hmm. So I thought, you know, just stuff like that that it's you know common questions arise around those kind of rulings. Um, hmm. So that those were the first things I added. Then I guess. Um, I just remember looking through the combat section of the AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And from there, I picked out a couple more things like the two-weapon fighting, parrying, stuff like that. Um, I th- as far as I remember, I just used the DMG as kind of inspiration for ideas there. I didn't necessarily really closely try to clone the exact rules, yeah. um, but just to see what kind of extra stuff there is in AD&D that is interesting. Um the The magic stuff as well actually the the like allowing magic users to have more spells in their spellbook than they can memorize um mm-hmm. that again is a kind of common sort of grumble about b x you know or yeah. it's very very common for people to house rule that so I thought okay, mm-hmm. that's an obvious thing to include um, yeah. weapon proficiency I included just because i come from a ad and d2e background where that was a really big thing and i just thought that's like i wouldn't use it in all campaigns but i certainly would make use of that myself in some campaigns um the secondary skills is a funny one i i literally only included it because i had one page spare and i was like "Uh, what am i going to put on one page Uh," and (laughs) nothing really (laughs) came to mind so in the end i was like okay secondary skills that's kind of a classic kind of AD&D type thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So how about the spells, the Illusionist and um, Druid stuff? that gone down well?
2: Um, I guess I've not heard people talk about the spells so much, actually, thinking about it. Mm. Um, Were they hard to convert? Let me think back, because um, I was writing this oh. book. Probably last time we spoke, it was already in production. Um, yeah,
0: you there's an early draft, wasn't there?
2: Yeah, um, yeah way way back um, I I think the druid ones were not too bad as uh-huh. far as I recall because they're a bit more straight up I think but the, yeah. the illusionist spells you know have often have quite weird kind of effects or would be you know are written in AD&D in a quite ambiguous way or like would be difficult to rule exactly how it works uh-huh. um, so that as far as I recall that required a bit more thought like attempting to write those in a bit more bx kind of way where it's maybe a bit more clear um how yeah. it works so i always with the illusion of spells i always kind
0: of uh, there's a bit of tension i've come across over the years with different people interpreting what is illusionary magic you yeah know, uh, what is the illusion is it a real thing or is it not yeah um and i guess that must have been something you would had to think about or did you just pull that straight from dnd
2: yeah it's it's an interesting one i was i was kind of torn on that whether to include like a um you know a lot of books that deal with illusion magic you see a section at the beginning discussing this specifically like what are illusions how yeah. do they work you know um or this this concept in ad and do like disbelieving illusions as a like yeah. action that players can choose to do um Absolutely. i i was considering including something like that but I felt like at the end of the day, I, I would prefer not to have had that. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd prefer the spells to kind of speak for themselves a bit more without yeah. having to kind of, you know, refer back to some introductory section on how things work. Um, so I, I kind of went for a more like, I guess in a way, a more simplistic approach, like giving, giving saving throws to illusions. Yeah on the whole Mm -hmm. rather than relying on this concept of disbelief um yeah i think i think disbelief is like i don't know it's a really stupid idea i think to be honest (laughs) like um you know it it just leads to really bizarre behavior in games that like players Mm -hmm. are constantly like oh is this an illusion i disbelieve and then you're like (laughs) okay that takes one round or something um I don't know yeah it's just it's just yeah. a very kind of meta level sort of thing like as as if someone in in the real you know if you were a real adventurer in a fantasy world you know i I don't really think you'd be going around disbelieving every door and wall that you come across you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I, had, I
0: had a weird thing is not in using these rules but recently i've um had a trap in my uh my mega dungeon which mm. um guys uh, slowly started to figure out was illusionary. Mm. And um then yeah, one of the old, kind of really old kind of game games went, Oh I'm, can I disbelieve it? I was <laughs> right. like No not really. It's it's still there. You you're sitting there thinking, I don't believe this. Uh, but um, you know, it's still there
2: swooshing yeah. away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a weird concept. It's a weird quirk of I I mm. guess it just came from A D and D. I'm not sure of the origin of this idea of disbelieving specifically. Mm. Uh, but it's kind of stuck around, hasn't it? So I wanted to kind of avoid that if possible um so i mean the the bx phantasmal force is quite straight up you know it just allows a saving throw so and to me to me that's the in-game mechanism that already exists for seeing if magic affects someone or not it doesn't need to be a kind of player action i think Mm -hmm. um so I, i followed that kind of principle with the illusions
0: Staying true to what was basic expert, I guess. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in with the advanced books in general, like I was always trying to take the BX approach as the first priority, you know, and if, mm-hmm. if maybe there wasn't, something wasn't covered at all in BX, then I had a bit more freedom to kind of, you know, make my own angle on it. But of course, mm-hmm. trying to keep it, you know, in line with the, the sort of complexity and the approaches of BX, you know b x is my love above all, so i wanna I wanna make stuff that is you know in that spirit essentially
0: yeah, and coming back to the concept of basic, I remember you talking about how the, the rebrand itself was about really being able to reach out to newer players um yeah. you know to come bring people into mm-hmm. uh you know the old school essentials range um how do you feel that's been going is it you know has it been a success so um, far do you feel
2: it's It's difficult to say exactly. I mean, I I remember a lot of um, comments on the Kickstarter, say, and sort of messages from people saying they were new Mm -hmm. to VX um, and generally really positive feedback about the game. Um, But it's, yeah, it's it's difficult to say really because, like, you know, obviously the community we're in online is hardcore, you know. People (laughs) are really obsessed with D&D and, like, the really fine grained differences between different editions and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know so they're, yeah. they're the kind of people who really care about the difference between beck and bx say which to mm-hmm. i think anyone who's not a super um hardcore gamer is absolutely irrelevant um, mm-hmm. so, so you know so the, the the people i'm talking with about the game and i'm hearing from are this hardcore people so i've not I've not heard so much specifically from newer gamers or more casual gamers um mm. apart from on the Kickstarter, where, as I said, I did get some good feedback from people who were new to b x um, mm. yeah it's kind it's kind of a weird thing though you know, like writing a game with you know trying to bear in mind a market which you don't actually have any direct contact with yourself, yeah. Um i yeah, I hope it worked i mean um <laughs> i've had I've had some retailers tell me, for example, that you know the new name and the new look is more appealing than the yeah. old b x essentials like appealing to their customers, so yeah, I guess that's probably as close as I can get to that kind of you know having an idea about how the game is received more broadly
0: why do you what i mean what about it makes? a great sort of starting point for a new player
2: in your mind? Um, I would say for me, BX has a, I mean, talking about BX originally, then I'll mention Mm -hmm. old school essentials. Um, I think for me, BX has a kind of perfect balance between um, simplicity and complexity. Like Mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, it's on the simpler end of D&D versions um, you yeah. know, with the racist class, stuff like that. It makes character creation very quick. Like there's not a lot of options for new players to consider. You know, you just roll mm-hmm. some stats, pick a class out of seven options. Usually it's quite clear from your stats which which classes are the best choice by equipment mm-hmm. and you're ready to go. Like there's there's not this kind of complexity of character building in there. Um which I think mm-hmm. even even for new players you can make a character pretty quickly. Um yeah. But on the other hand, it's not... <clears throat> I wouldn't say exact, it's exactly a rules-like game. You know, there are a lot of very solid rules for covering the kind of, you know, 90% of the most common sort of situations in, you know, dungeoneering, mm. wilderness, towns, et cetera. Um, yeah. So for me, I, th- I think it, it's that kind of balance which makes it really good for beginners. Um, mm. You know, it's sim- simple enough, but it's also meaty enough that it gives you guidance you know if you if you look Mm. at some of the modern very very rules like games um Mm. into the odds as an example i was looking at that recently like really really nicely written game but Mm. i do wonder for someone who's new to rpgs i think it doesn't have enough guidance um Mm -hmm. or kind of enough structure like I think a lot of these rules-like games assume that you already know what D&D is and you know how it works. Yeah. Um, which for a real beginner's game is not not what you want, I think.
0: Yeah, I always feel very frustrated by a lot of games. I mean, just generally by a lot of role-playing games because mm. they don't come with things that... Um, you know, I'm just pulling out the classic fantasy genre rules again. Um, they don't come with the things that you know OSCE seems to be coming with as a standard. You know, like how to... Uh, How to do a basic dungeon, how to set up a small town, how to start your hex crawl, all that is in there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Mm. And in a way, I think that is even like Dungeons Dragons 5th edition, I don't think really addresses that anywhere near as completely, you know? And um, one of the things I always liked about the sort of basic expert, whether it was BX or Beckme. You know, and now Mm. old school um, is that it had that built in. Yeah,
2: Mm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just like gives you very simple starting points to. I guess Mm. that's the thing. Like, equally as you can explain the rules for making a character on two pages in old school essentials. Equally, you can describe the rules for a dungeon master. Here's how you make a dungeon. Just these simple steps, like you know, it doesn't go into a lot of detail, but it's just some structure to start you off on the path. I think. Um,
0: Sorry, I was I was going to say. I think it's very easy for us as a kind of experienced gamers to forget how perplexing the whole thing can be. Yeah, totally. When you start. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's it can be a real blind spot. I think. I mean, I'm mm. not. I'm not claiming that I have made a perfect game for beginners. Not at all. There's definitely things mm. I would change if I were to do it again. I would add extra stuff, mm-hmm. you know, for example. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it is a blind spot. You know, for people who've been playing for decades, you just forget. <laughs> what it's like when you first look at an rpg book like what is this it's like it's if you've never seen an rpg even it's difficult to even imagine like how it works isn't it you know
0: yeah like what the
2: procedure of play is um yeah i mean i I would be very interested to write a real beginners game like that that really leads you through all this stuff um Mm -hmm. obviously that that's one thing that definitely is missing in old school essentials like this kind of examples of play um Mm -hmm. I'm kind of ambivalent yeah. on that nowadays because, of course, you can so easily just look at a YouTube channel or something you know, to see people playing, <laughs> yeah. which probably is better than a sort of written-out example of play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think there's also a place for having that stuff in a book as well, along with the rules.
0: Mm. So what's in the pipeline, Gavin?
2: Um, a lot of stuff. uh yeah more more stuff than i can handle really so um it's kind of uh, about prioritizing uh, what to what to address next um so the the real closest next thing um Mm -hmm. so the the old school essentials rules tome sold out unfortunately recently um i mean i say unfortunately like in one sense, it's super cool that it was that <laughs> successful and popular. But, you know, I I feel bad now that there are people who want to buy the game and I'm like, well, sorry, there's none left. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, should, should have printed a few more is the lesson learned there. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I, it was impossible to really gauge how quickly they'd sell out. So, um, so yeah, the, the next thing will be a second printing of the rules Time. Um yep probably i mean i i don't have exact dates for it yet but hopefully january to february something like that we'll do the print run Yep. um fantastic so that'll be basically the same book the i think there's like five or six tiny points of errata like typos basically that slipped in um yeah. will be fixed there'll be a new cover art just to have something fresh um yeah yeah so that that'll be early early this year i nearly said early next year this year um, <laughs> so the then the the other thing that we're planning for um early this year q1 um again maybe so sort of february ish mm-hmm. is a, another kickstarter for old school Centrals. um mm-hmm. so this time it will be to produce the two two main things um the referee screen did you see the referee screen i guess you, i did yeah. Have you got the PDFs or did you get the print? Yep. <laughs> the print. I think
0: I actually ordered a print copy. Oh, and I cool. Think okay. It is I there. didn't actually because
2: it was so expensive to ship it from the States. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, well, I have
0: one of those little um US postal boxes now ah, um, because nice. I'm such a junkie for stuff. Cool. Um, and and that's a nice way of doing it. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, and I slipped ah, okay, it in. Nice. Then What they do is they open all your parcels and they kind of aggregate them together. Mm. And uh, I think I slipped it in. Um, so it is upstairs. Oh, awesome.
2: Nice. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, a hard cover. So the, the existing screen is um, like the inserts for the Universal GM screen, right? Yeah. So is. the idea is to do a proper deluxe print run just of the screen, not as inserts, but as an actual like cardboard thing hmm. um so i just i just thought that the the peter mullen artwork on it is so amazing hmm. and i it just really deserves to have like this full deluxe quality treatment
0: yeah. is that um, going to be the the kind of card stock you know you used in the main box and things
2: yeah it should actually yeah that's interesting the the black box as far as i remember is two millimeter card yeah um so that, that will be the minimum um, thickness that we'll be going for. Wow, okay. Um, and then there'll be stretch goals to increase the thickness, <laughs> up, kind of different steps of thickness, up to, I think, three millimeters is the yeah. sort of maximum the manufacturer recommends. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, it'll be a really, really nice kind of sturdy, uh, chunky screen. All
0: right, take um, my money. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, the, again, again, like like old school essentials. Th- this for me is really like I'm making what I want to use in my own games. Yeah. Um, you know, I I like the kind of insert screens, mm-hmm. but for me, a kind of really solid deluxe screen like that is a real step up. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of first main thing for the Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, the other the other major thing is the players' rules tome. Right. Um, which will be essentially is just half of the rules time in a book so it includes the core rules the yep. character classes equipment spells um and that's it so it stops there it's yep. it's like literally half of the rules time um so anything about like running games designing dungeons the monsters and treasures all that stuff is cut out of this book yeah so the idea being that obviously a lot of you know, I can't remember the statistics. I remember reading statistics before about it, like the percentage of RPG players who are purely players versus ones who DM as yeah. well. Um, but it's a, it's a lot of people are purely players, right? Yeah. As far as I recall from those numbers, um, so th- this is a book for them, basically. Like, if you don't, if you don't want to spend the extra money to get all these extra pages that you're never going to use. Um, so this will be a kind of cheaper entry point into the game for people like that.
0: Absolutely, yeah, it's about accessibility, really.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm aware that, like, you know, in my, my opinion is that Old School Essentials is very good value. Like, like, you know, you get a complete game and very deluxe quality yeah. for your money, and it's much, much cheaper than something like D&D 5, for example. Mm. But also I, could, I know there are people who are, like, feeling it's quite expensive, Yep. So I wanted to kind of make something that is, you know, hopefully more accessible price-wise for people. Mm. Um, so that will be the player's rules to Are the little
0: booklets going to be available? Or are they available separately?
2: Yeah, they are available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's, as far as I remember from the pricing, if you buy the five individual books, it's the same price as the black boxes or something like that, Fuck I think. Um, but, so, I yeah. mean... Yeah, if you want to buy all five, you may as well just buy the black box. But yeah,
0: well, um, I was just kind of thinking about the player who wants that. I don't know, just want the, the magic user spells and, the, and then cleric yeah. spells and the class, you know, genre rules basically, isn't it? And that's it.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's another option. Yeah, you could yeah. buy the three individual books, mm. or you could just buy the spells book or whatever. Yeah, and I guess yeah. if I play a fighter, yeah. I
0: don't need anything more than the genre rules, really. Mm.
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Maybe the core rules. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah,
2: but the the player's rules tome will. Essentially, it will include the content of three books: the yep. uh, core rules, the genre rules, and the spells. Yep. Uh, but it will—the price point will only be slightly more than the price of one of the individual books. So yeah. it'll be—you know—it'll have a really good price.
0: So I guess from the core rules, it's pulling out the running adventures bit and the treasures bit and the monsters yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but leaving yeah, you so with I think, adventure.
2: Mm. yeah there's a point in core rules where you can see the cut as well if you look at that book individually yeah absolutely Um,
0: flipping through it i think it's
2: like after after the combat rules basically everything from then on is dm stuff Mm. um so it'll it'll go up to that point in that book as well
0: yeah about 52 pages or something 53 pages yeah yeah lovely i think i think
2: the player's rules time comes to about 140 pages if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. um so the the rule the full rules time is two hundred ninety six. So it's about half, slightly less than half.
0: Yeah, I can see um, that going down well.
2: Yeah, so it's it's going to be hardcover as well, same deluxe quality as everything yeah. else. And of course, in the Kickstarter, we'll have stretch goals to add like ribbons and you know fancy fancy bits and bobs. Um, uh-huh. So that's yeah, that's the next um, Kickstarter we're planning for Old School Essentials mm. um, should be in kind of time range of like one to two months from now something like that um and of course with that also you'll be able to buy the normal rules tome or the black box or stuff like that if you want to get the full game as well to go along with your screen and your players rules tome fantastic um
0: so that's also very very exciting
2: yeah so the the plan for that is to kind of keep it a bit simpler as well it's not like it's not going to have zillions of stretch goals and you know my hope is that the, i haven't done all of the planning yet exactly but my hope is that the you know everything will be manufactured and in people's hands pretty quickly because hmm. um, there's no you know it's like there's not a lot of new content you know it's a screen which already exists just manufacturing in a nicer way yeah and a book that already exists just cutting half of it out so hmm. you know it's not like i'm going to be Working for months after this on new content and layout and stuff like that. So.
0: and is the player's book? Get, sorry, sorry. Is the player's book getting the Mullen cover, or
2: um, or is it getting the other one? Getting a different cover, actually. Oh. I've not revealed that yet, but okay. I'm, I'm waiting for the artwork on the new covers to come, and then I'll kind of post them around. Fantastic. Um, but I can say. No, no, I won't say. you
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll leave
2: that for another day. Yeah, <laughs> fabulous. Um, yeah, so that's the next thing. Um, after that, a bit later in the year, the the really big thing that I've been working on for many years now is Dolmanwood. Right, um, which you mentioned in the intro.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so. I've been so so. Dolmenwood started as the zine Wormskin, so this kind of series of eight issues, each of them describing like little, essentially pretty random elements of the setting. You know, like yeah. it became maybe a bit more structured as time went on, but essentially each issue is just a random smattering of info on Dolmenwood. You know, so yeah. some character classes, monsters, uh, hex descriptions, some bits of like setting background etc
1: mm-hmm.
2: um so you know it was very fun to write that but it's a really crap way to run a game <laughs> you know i've i've been running dolmenwood games for years using the info in worm skin yeah and even for me as the creator of the zine it's like very difficult to use in play mm. you know you you don't know if you you know you don't know which issue things are in and you know everything is all, all scattered around in a sort of random fashion um so for, for many years I've wanted to kind of do to give it the sort of full book treatment, you know, like Mm -hmm. rather than these, um, smattering of different zines, like to have everything in one book. Um, so that's, that's what I'm working on. That's the kind of main big thing I'm working on now. Um, so that'll be kickstarted later this year. So, um, the, what I've, what I've discussed previously on this is that it's going to be the Darnwood campaign book. Mm-hmm. So it'll be everything from Wormskin that's about that's like set up for the referee. So the setting, background, hex descriptions, monsters, and then like five times more content maybe than you find in Wormskin. Um, so yeah, the idea is that this is this is the one book that you can as a referee you can pick up and that gives you everything you need to play Darnwood um but what what is what is kind of left out of the campaign book is everything for players so like you know there's a lot of new classes Mm -hmm. um different spells magic systems um you know different kind of equipment stuff like that yeah um so what what I've decided, and this this is a new announcement. I've not announced this yet, so this <laughs> is like a scoop. Um, there's, <laughs> the, there's actually going to be two books now, I've decided. Right. So there's going to be the essentially like the DM's book and there's going to be the player's book, wow. and I'll do them together. Yeah. Um, so the the player's book will have um, about, it's looking like it, we're about 100 pages, 128, maybe something Where like that. This- Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a kind of player's intro to the setting. So kind of, you know, overview of the, the place Dolmenwood and the different factions. Mm. Sort of gazetteer, sort of brief, um, sort of semi mythological telling of history. Um, then it's got a bunch of new classes. Yeah. Um, so it's got a sort of fairy elf, Grimalkin, Hunter, Knight, Moss, Dwarf, and Woodgrew classes. um, then a bunch of expanded equipment, you know. So it's, you know, it'll, it will require the the BX core rules or the mm-hmm. old school essentials core rules, but then it adds everything that you need to play in Dolmenwood. Um, so that's that's going to be a sort of companion to the campaign book, which is looking like it will be maybe two to three hundred pages. And are these um, going to be
0: A five or A four
2: or A four? These are mm-hmm. so these are full size books. Wow. Um, which I I made that decision quite a long time ago and I've been doing the layout on the player's book the last month and I'm really glad I made that decision like it has totally um, justified itself Mm -hmm. Um, just that it's, you know, with old school essentials, it's A5 format, which is a small format and it was a lot of work to edit everything down to fit on the smaller pages. Yeah. Um, You know, I didn't want to make the font size tiny. Mm -hmm. So, it required really kind of very intricate editing and very much minimizing the text and the way things are described, mm-hmm. um, which for Dolmenwood, I don't feel is so appropriate. Like, you know, the, the writing in Dolmenwood has always been a bit more kind of flowery. Yeah. And that's part of the flavor of it. So I, I don't want to get to this super minimal style that old school essentials has. Um, you know, it's. I'm still aiming at usability, so there's there's still this kind of breaking down things, breaking things down into bullet points and so on. Yeah. But it, it's just nice to have the extra breathing space that the larger pages provide. Mm. Um, yeah, so there there'll be A4 hardcovers, um, same same kind of printing quality as old school essentials.
0: And just so we don't fall into the trap of assuming our listener um, knows what Don Woods about. That's a sort of British right. fantasy fairy tale type thing right
2: yeah exactly yeah so it's a it's a woodland setting <laughs> um the forest is about i think 150 miles across something yeah. like that so it's like it's a big space to have adventures but it's not like a whole world so the idea is you can drop it down into a wider campaign setting Yeah, you, know, you could drop it in greyhawk or whatever any any kind of existing setting that you have mm. middle for example um but yeah it's it's kind of inspired by um british kind of folklore and mythology um so lots of uh strange fairies um yeah lots of kind of stuff from fairy tales lots of fungus um weird like standing stones and cults that uh congregate around them Mm. um so yeah i i'd usually describe it as like a weird fairy tale setting Mm. so it has this um this kind of pre 20th century fairy tale vibe of like you know having kind of fairies as like whimsical and also sinister like that they yeah. can have this this dual kind of nature yeah you got a classic
0: sort of darkness to it i think there's a there's right. a vibe in there isn't there of um, sort of yeah scary weird
2: <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's the kind of i see dolmenwood in a way as a lot of in-betweens like it has elements of sinister and creepy stuff, mm-hmm. and yet it's not a horror setting, yeah. you know. Absolutely, Absolutely not. Yeah. And, you know, it also has, it has elements of kind of comical or whimsical kind of stuff, but it's definitely a serious setting, you know. It's not yeah. a sort of comedy or kind of uh, um, sort of satirical or mock sort of setting. So, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of different influences in there that are kind of, I feel, balanced in a nice way.
0: When I first read Wormskin, my first impression was this slightly hippie feel to it. Um, mm, slightly okay. drug addled. But um, I'm not accusing <laughs> you of anything there.
2: Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, the, the first two issues go quite heavy on that. You know, in the first issue, you've got like a table of psychedelic mushrooms. And then in the second issue, you've got a table of other generic psychedelic substances. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, there's definitely that kind of psychedelic element as well. Um, Has it been a popular setting? yes yeah definitely um i mean it's i've seen it referred to quite often as like one of the best old school settings Mm. but always with the caveat that it's very difficult to run in its current form yeah in the zine form so you know i'm i'm really hoping this will be a very you know from the kind of feedback i've got from it in the past i'm hoping you know presenting it in a single book that will be a very popular setting um yeah, so really excited about that. I've got I've got lots of artists working on stuff for the books already as well. Mm. So um I've not shared that much yet, but I will as you know, in the coming months I'll start sharing more bits and pieces. Um Oh, by the way, actually I'm um, I will soon be looking for playtesters as well for the especially for the players book, which is a nearing completion. Fantastic. Um so any anyone who's playing in a Dolman Wood game mm. um get in touch and i'm i'm interested in people to have a look and give feedback and run games with it
0: you oh, fabulous it sounds absolutely exciting it really does um
2: yeah we really yeah it's, want, a, it's wanted that book for a while <laughs> yeah, yeah again me too you know it's like the culmination of many years of developing this setting so it's yeah super exciting to see it coming together um and the the artists i'm working with like it's gonna be you know it'll really do the setting justice i think yeah um going for a kind of mostly a sort of fairy tale kind of style artwork.
0: Yeah. So what do you think are we talking summer, autumn, winter?
2: I'm I've been saying around early summer, so May, June, maybe something like that. Uh-huh. It it really depends when it's ready though. Like yeah. it ba- basically it's when it's ready I'll do it. Yeah. Um you know I don't I don't want to be in the position of rushing to a Kickstarter without the book being finished enough you know i mean i don't don't expect it to be 100 percent finished by the time we kickstart but you know i want to be confident that i'm not gonna require years more development time after the kickstarter you know so i guess um, you've got to find
0: a way back to the table yourself before then
2: yes yeah (laughs) i've been thinking of trying running games online actually um just that in a sense i think it's a bit easier to organize Uh like there's a you know obviously on the internet there's a much wider pool of players so there's not so much that like who's got time on this date who's got time on that date <laughs> and you yeah. know people dropping out whatever um and also i think i think just the the setup in terms of like you know having to set up ever set everything up for the game mm. having loads of people come to my flat um I th- i'm kind of feeling like running games online is easier in that sense as well mm. so Will be more feasible for my kind of lifestyle now. Um, we'll see that. I'm not. I'm not sure what I'd run. You know, I'd run. I'd like to run stuff where I can test new classes and things like that. Yeah. Um, but maybe not Dolman would Maybe I'd love to run a mega dungeon. Actually, I really love mega dungeons. So. Ooh. We'll see. I'd, I'd love to write a mega dungeon, of course, but <laughs> like, I'm not really sure I'm going to have time for that anytime soon. If you um, you're
0: going to pick a dungeon off the shelf and maybe yeah. run it, which one would it be?
2: Um, it would be, um, well, probably it would be Castle Zintalan. Right. Which I just got. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's um Gabor Lux's mega dungeon. Yeah. Um I just got that the other week and not not looked in great depth, but it looks like super flavorful mm. and looks as I should be easy enough to run without having to do a huge amount of research first and make loads of notes on stuff. Yeah. Which for me, especially with a mega dungeon is really important that like, you know, I don't have time to read through a thirty-page adventure before I run it. Mostly, so Absolutely. there's no way I'm going to have time to read through and make notes on a like three hundred-page mega dungeon. Um,
0: so there you go, Gabor, endorsement from Necrotic Name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic. Um, so we've got let's just recapping them. We've got a Domwood campaign book and a Domwood players book being kickstarted yep. later in the year, yep. and then you've, before that, we've got the the uh, dm screen and mm-hmm. we've also got a player's book old version for yeah. old school essentials yeah. and before that i've forgotten already
2: uh rules time second printing That's maybe the one. before the kickstarter or maybe not we're not sure yet on that there we go
0: fantastic yeah. so loads yeah. of stuff to really. get that
2: back in stock
0: yeah and are you getting to the uh, conventions this year
2: um undecided actually mm-hmm. i I'd, I'd like to go to dragon meet again yep Um, I really like dragon meat, you know, it's a really nice size and it's just a great chance to kind of meet lots of people and hang out and chat about geeky stuff, um, and sell some stuff on the side. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about the other conventions like the UK games expo or the Essen Mm -hmm. convention. Um, they're great events, but it's just so much work going to them. Um, you know, they're the events themselves last like four days. Um and ju- just the planning for that, you know, having to get myself and x number of helpers there, you know, finding accommodation, getting all the stock there like it is really a lot to plan, and it's so much energy expended on the event, you know mm-hmm. that I'm kind of feeling like my my kind of time and energy is a lot more limited now, and maybe it's not so so worth kind of putting the energy into those things. Mm-hmm that maybe I'd rather put the energy into writing. So
0: maybe we just like to just read your book, so <laughs>
2: you <don't have laughs> yeah. write it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping. Like that, you know, come come kind of March or so I'll really be able to focus a lot more heavily on the Dolmanwood stuff and get that kind of finished up. Mm.
0: So is Dolmanwood the big thing that you want to achieve this year?
2: Yes. Yeah, definitely. Mm. It's it's been brewing for so many years and like I really just want to get that to the kind of finished published form this year. Um, I'm sure that will happen. You know, I, I don't, I don't doubt that I'll be able to achieve that. It may not be in May or June. It may be a bit later, but I'm sure I'll be able to get the books finished ready for publication this year. Great stuff. Yeah. And then who knows after that, <laughs> is it, I don't know. think thinking about that, having, having the Dolman Wood book finished, like, it's almost like then there's this huge like spacious kind of openness in my life like wow <laughs> what 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 could i do with that space then like <laughs> um, yeah which is nice i'm sure many other projects will come along
0: fantastic well look gavin it's been a brilliant uh, conversation i really enjoyed it and thanks so so much for the scoop um yeah yeah cool. I just wish you all the best for 2020
2: yeah thanks so much
0: it's just so good so thanks ever so much and we yeah we just all wait with bated breath for Domwood I think game on.
2: <laughs> yeah well I'll, I'll get cracking on it I'll, I'll continue cracking on it and <laughs> uh, yeah keep you all posted um, fantastic yeah, but as I said more more announcements coming soon about the the artwork and more info on the players the Dolmenwood players book and so on mm.
0: lovely stuff thank you Gavin
2: cool. game on great to talk to you see ya mm-hmm.
0: that's about it um massive 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 thank you to gavin norman from Necrotic known for coming and speaking to us and you know sharing all the news keeping us up to date gavin always appreciate your time and i know that it's a tough time right now loads going on for you but i massively appreciate it thank you so much dude game on gotta also say thank you to our first time caller brian thanks for calling in from arizona dude really did enjoy hearing from you and i hope that you're well Thanks again to all of the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support Roleplay Rescue for all our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Rescue. Just got to say, everyone, thanks so much as we come into 2020 for your support. And yeah, you know, I'm encouraged by all of the kind words that I keep getting from all of you guys. Thank you. Finally, thank you to you too, the listener, for taking just a little time out of your day to come and listen to the show. I know it's longer than normal, but I really hope it was worth it. I felt it was. I also kind of hope that I've fulfilled my core mission, you know? Continuing to encourage you to play games and play in a way that suits you better. My name is Cho Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. i see you again on the flip side. Game on.